Good morning. My name is Jeremy McKim. This morning, our scripture reading is from the book of Mark. We're in a sermon series called Safe and Holy. Please follow along in your Bible or use the screens. I'll be reading Mark 2, 1 through 12 from the New International Version. A few days later, when Jesus entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. They gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door, and he preached the word to them. Some men came, bringing to him a paralyzed man carried by four of them. Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it, and then lowered the mat the man was lying on. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now some teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, Why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Immediately, Jesus knew in his spirit that this was what they were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, Why are you thinking these things? Which is easier to say to this paralyzed man, Your sins are forgiven? Or to say, Get up, take your mat, and walk. But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. He got up, took his mat, and walked out in full view of them all. This amazed everyone, and they praised God, saying, We have never seen anything like this. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Jeremy. Jeremy is the husband to our guest speaker today, Seidel McKim. Seidel McKim is the area director for Young Life, and I've asked her to share with us as we try to figure out as a church how to partner with this ministry better. So thank you, Seidel. Please welcome her. Thank you, you, Peter. Good morning. (laughs) What a great weekend. A lot to be thankful for. Fun size candies, an extra hour of sleep, (laughs) water we can drink from the tap, (laughs) electricity. (laughs) It's good to be here. It's good to have all these things that um, are comforts, too, that when they're taken away, uh, it's not as comfortable, but welcome and thank you um, for having me this morning. Thank you first to Evergreen staff um, for uh, giving me this time and this space to be able to share. Um, They have given me more than this time and space. Many of you may not even know that they have um, opened up a little office space for me right across the hall from Pastor Julie um, that I've been able to um, use the last uh, few months and I'm just enjoying um, being able to have a quiet space but also um, a, a space of inspiration and community here 
at Evergreen with this family, so thank you. Um, I've also noticed the last couple weeks as I've been preparing for this message that there's so much that goes into these services. I've noticed all these little things that um, I wouldn't notice on a regular Sunday that I come and get poured into, and I just so appreciate um, what our church family does um, to uh, put us in front of the Lord and um, just bless us on Sunday mornings and throughout the week. So thank you for that. Uh, So I am thrilled to be here and to be able to share a little bit about my story, about being connected with an organization many of you may have heard of and some may not called Young Life. Um, It's a Christian, um, non-denominational Christian outreach um, for adolescents starting at sixth grade and actually going beyond um, high school to college, through college. And uh, we are international and uh, meet uh, adolescents all around the world. Um, I happen to be able to be here um, on Mercer Island as their area director here. Um, for the last year, actually, I have been here. Uh, my family is also here this morning. Um, my husband, Jeremy, who read the scripture this morning. Uh, my daughter, Bailey, who's in sixth grade. And my daughter, or my son, Hunter, who's in fifth grade. And our other son, Samuel, who's in kindergarten at West Mercer. Uh, and so love my little family, and we are in this mission together. It's been a fun, crazy, wonderful life, and we're glad to be here at Evergreen with this group of people that we're also looking forward um, to getting connected with more and more in the days ahead um, as we get to know each of you, share our stories uh, together. So I wanted to share a little bit about um, my background. I come from a Christian home um, family uh, that uh, actually grew up in a Lutheran church, um, have Catholic background too. My dad is Lutheran, my mom Catholic, and I grew up in a family who really loved God, um, knew God, loved him, and, um, and I loved him too. And I felt like at a young age, um, I, I knew that there was a God who cared about me. Um, and I knew he was there for me. And uh, it wasn't until about sixth grade when some family friends um, approached my parents and said, hey, have you heard about the organization called Young Life? Uh, there's a program we want to start called Wildlife, and uh, it's working with middle school kids. And now that you have a middle schooler, we would love to have you join us. And my parents were like, great, that's wonderful. How can we be involved? And, and they said, you can open up your home and start one. So my parents said yes. And little did we know, um, I would um, be just given the the opportunity and the gift to have uh, young life leaders um, come around me and walk with me, get to know me, invest in me and my friends and our whole school uh, and show us um, how to do life together and to point us to um, to the Lord. Uh, it was an incredible first year in sixth grade to be introduced to this, and that summer I went to a camp called Breakaway in Gearhart, Oregon. Some of you have maybe have been to, and um, that's where something changed for me. My life would never be the, be the same. A light bulb went on. Um, my leaders were with me, my friends. We were having a great time. Like all kids have an absolute blast when they embark on summer camping. Um, we had the fun. We had the messy, crazy things and just had a, had a laugh the whole week. Uh, and then as I started to hear messages that were being shared throughout the week, something clicked um, in my spirit, something that um, I didn't have before but started to really speak to me. And it was then that I started, started to hear more about Jesus Christ and what he'd done for me, um, what that looked like, what he did on the cross um, for me, for my sins, for my friends, for my family, and how he rose again so I could have life. And there was something that went off that told me this is bigger than just knowing there's a God, uh, that knowing that um, he's there for me, there's more to it. There's a relationship here. Uh, And so I 
out on, this, on the steps one evening after hearing a message, I sat there and I pondered it and I just, I realized this was going to be a journey and I would never be the same and I was loved by a God bigger than I even had any clue about. And that from that day forward, I wanted to be like my Young Life leaders. I wanted to share the hope and the love and the truth of Jesus Christ with my friends and with everyone that I knew. And I wanted to be a Young Life leader and maybe on staff someday. So um, I went through high school doing Young Life, became a student leader when I was a junior. Uh, After high school, I became a Young Life leader in college, probably spent more time as a leader than on studying in college, but so worth it. And um, then uh, I met my husband Jeremy in Bellingham up at Western, and he was leading Young Life as well and on staff actually at the time. And then I joined staff, and God just... Put us together, and, and uh, we've been married 14 years and uh, working with Young Life and supporting it in various ways. Uh, so we were, for a few years, on staff together, and then we moved to Issaquah and started having kids. And I felt like I wanted to be the one to be home more with our kids. So um, we were still in it all together as a little family, um, but I spent the next seven, eight years um, starting to raise three kids with Jeremy in just a different capacity, but I always just longed to come back to being on staff with Young Life in some way when the time was right. So I kind of yearned for that. Um, And then God did something, kind of shook us up a little bit, and um, there was no negative reason, but he took us out of Young Life to do something different. We uh, ended up church planting for a while. From We left Issaquah, went to Auburn, and then we moved on to West Seattle, and then we ended up at a church in Spokane for a little while. So we were kind of all over the map, and God just gave us rich relationship and more of a rich understanding of who he is and his um, grace through what was sometimes a bumpy ride, not always easy, challenging, but joyful, and um, definitely um, he worked in huge ways in our lives. Uh, and it was about a little over a year ago when we felt like we were supposed to move back on this side of the mountains from Spokane, and we didn't know what we were moving for. Uh, and for, there were a couple months there we were living with my family, just praying, where, where do you want us, God? What, what are we supposed to do? And, and uh, I just, Young Life just came up on my heart and in my mind again for several weeks, actually. And I said to, you know, told Jeremy, and he said, you know, got to see what God's doing with that. And um, so I ended up connecting with the regional staff for Young Life and just said, hey, you know, I don't know about this, and, um, but it's on my heart. And I ended up interviewing and going through that process. And Mercer Island, I knew that was on the map of there needing to be a staff to um, jump into the shoes of the last incredible area director that was here. Many of you know Marshall Jameson and his wife Emily. Their family was here for over seven years um, building a foundation here. Um, th- God was using them uh, to work in kids' lives uh, through Young Life. Uh, and they actually headed over to Issaquah Sammamish. And so there was this time when there wasn't anyone here, and I, I interviewed and became that person uh, to jump into some pretty big shoes. But I'm definitely not alone in that because we have an incredible team um, and uh, volunteers, uh, wildlife leaders, and uh, committee that have just been... Ugh, incredible, over-the-top, wonderful in support. And uh, so kind of going on and on about that, but I want to share a little bit of a PowerPoint presentation here um, just to show Young Life. One of our foundational verses um, that we live by is from 1 Thessalonians 2.8 that says, because we loved you so much, we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. it's all about sharing who he is. Um, but being able to share who he is through um, coming alongside each other and sharing in relationship. Uh, our vision is that every kid will have the opportunity to meet Jesus Christ and follow him. Our mission 
is to introduce adolescents to Jesus Christ and help them grow in their faith. So we have many opportunities to bring kids into what's called club and a larger group gathering um, to share through games and fun and excitement um, to being able to put the gospel in front of them. We have small groups called campaigners. uh, And then we do contact work where we go to the kids and we spend time with them. Uh, We accomplish our mission by praying for kids. First and foremost, our foundation is praying for the youth on this island, for their families, for spaces to be able to go in um, that God allows us to, uh, to share his word, truth, and life with them through building relationships. Uh, We get to share the good news with them. We get to invite them personally to respond to the good news, and we love them no matter what their response is, and we keep walking with them just as we've been walked with. We help nurture their faith um, and give them tools to share it with others. Uh, We encourage kids to be connected to a larger body, their local church, because we feel like it's not all about just young life. We believe in the local church community and having kids be part of what is going on and being cared about and taken under their wing and that there's a rich family and connection here that points, again, all of us to our Lord and Savior. Uh, and, that, and then we work as a team. Like I mentioned, we have a group of Young Life leaders, or about 15 of us, that walk with kids. And we are all like-minded individuals that care about kids and want to be in their lives. Uh, young Life is about every kid. And relationship, as I mentioned, we earn the privilege of talking with them about something we believe matters most of all, the truth about God and his love for them. Uh, I would love to share just a quick two-minute video. Um, this I'll just preface it with it, um, that this was our um, kind of founder of Young Life, Jim Rayburn, over 70 years ago. Um, Young Life started, it formed in someone's living room, much like I mentioned in ours in Issaquah um, when I was in sixth grade, over 70 years ago. And this is a little, I love this piece, and you'll see why. The big dream was a pretty little dream, but it got big because there was such a big idea behind it. Everyone has a right to know the truth about Jesus Christ. They're in every class and every color, in every ethnic group, in every segment of our society. Everyone needs Jesus Christ. They have a right to know who he is, They have a right to know what he's done for them. They have a right to know how they relate to that. They have a right to know him personally. They have a right to make their own choice of him. Man, alive, if there was ever a generation in human history that needed to hear that, it's now. So the big dream stated another way is this. It's a group of people bound together in the single-minded purpose that there's no price too high to pay to see to it that young people have a chance to know the Savior. That's not just what young life's all about. That's all that young life's all about. I hope that you people will get up with new determination and go back to the big dream and make it come true in millions of lives.
gets me every time. And that's what it's all about right there. Um, I would love to see, um, by show of hands in this room, who may have been impacted, who God may have impacted um, through Young Life. Uh, if, any of your, if any of you have a story with Young Life, feel free to raise your hand. But I see a few around here of hands that have been impacted in some capacity. Um, in the first service, we also had many people who um, raised their hands, and, and several of our leaders were here in committee. Do we have any of our committee? I, don't, I, don't, I think most of them came to our first service, but want to recognize anybody else that our leaders or committee that are here. I think everybody <laughs> was here for that. Um, thank you. Um, so I also would, and, and I want to share briefly about our leaders and our committee. They spend countless amount of volunteer hours to pray for kids, to go where they are, uh, to be there for them. Our committee of, of adults comes around our leaders and supports them and encourages them, um, gives us resources, um, is just a team that really um, builds us up and comes around me as well as the staff here in Mercer Island and, um, and our leaders. Just, they have, they're incredible. We have leaders uh, leading almost every single grade, but there is, the harvest is ripe. There are so many kids involved right now, and it's a wonderful thing. And we say it's a great problem because we're really outnumbered right now, and we see God doing really big things um, in many kids' lives. Um, but we do have a need for um, more prayer, for more people to come alongside um, and, and walk with us and be part of uh, what is going on um, with kids and putting them in front of him. Um, I would love to have my new, f- my new friend, uh, Nancy Ding, uh, come up front here for a couple minutes and share a little something. She has a rich history here with Young Life. Thanks, Nancy. When I graduated from college in 1955, I was asked by Young Life to be their nurse at their camp down in Colorado, up in the mountains, called Frontier. At the same time that summer, there was a Young Life staff person in New York City who went down on the streets of Brooklyn and just met a bunch of hoodlums on the street and said, would you like to go to a horse ranch out in Colorado? And they thought that sounded pretty cool. Sure, they'd love to go. So he put five of them in his station wagon, and they took off across the country which was a very challenging ride because they kept pilfering stuff out of the motel all the way and the, and the restaurant, trying to keep them under control. When they got to the camp, they had no idea what they were getting into, and they were very disruptive, and, but very, very macho and kind of just putting themselves forward. But, you know, the kids really reached out to them and loved them, as did the, the, the staff. And they kept spending a lot of time around the nursing station because they thought I had drugs. And, which actually I did, but I didn't tell them. But I had a lot of fun teasing them. So we became friends. But by the end of the week, they had simmered down enough so they could listen to the message. And three of them accepted the Lord. And they went back to New York where they were mentored in a campaigner's group by the staff there. And the leader of the gang, his name was Vinny, graduated from college and became a Young Life staff member and with an incredible, uh, wonderful ministry. And so when I look back on those 60 years, I see Young Life has not changed its message one bit. And I am more convinced than ever that nobody can transform a life like Jesus Christ.
Thank you so much. Thank you. Wow. Thank you, Nancy um, and Robert too. Has have rich a rich uh, um, rich roots in um, within Young Life. So thank you so much for sharing that here today. And she touched on some really um, the whole thing was important <laughs> what you shared. And I think um, it's really valuable um, to all of us. Thank you. Uh, as she said, kids are going through. amazingly crazy complex things in their lives as she talked about the um, leader who packed five in their car to take them and what that was like. It's an adventure. You never know what you're going to get, but there is need. There is need everywhere. Uh, Kids are incredibly resilient, um, yet they're deeply wounded. Um, We're about cultivating relationships, taking them um, to places they can safely um, be themselves um, and be known and begin to understand that there's more to life for them. There's a huge purpose out there for them. Uh, right now, we have about 50 kids um, attending our high school club, Young Life. Uh, we meet in a place called the Guy's House up by the high school. Um, all of our, most of our uh, male Young Life leaders live in a house that they have opened up for ministry. It's just a revolving door of kids that come in and go um, all the time for um, what we call club, like I mentioned before, where kids come in and have a great time, and we share the gospel message, and there are Bible studies that are happening. Uh, there's much prayer happening, team meetings. Um, it's been incredible, and uh, we pack about 75 kids, middle school kids, for wildlife into the old boys and girls club on every other Friday night, uh, and leaders are walking with these kids and um, taking them to camp. Over 100 kids went to summer camp this last summer, um, and they're, we're trying to, trying to follow up with these kids as they come away from hearing uh, the message and uh, n- wanting to know, what does this look like now? How do, what do we do um, with this information? And um, we strive to walk with them and show them, reveal to them what it's like to walk with Christ in that journey that they're on because it doesn't stop there. It continues. And so we're all about um, reaching out and being there for them. But we, like I said, the harvest is ripe. The workers are few and mighty, um, but we're praying for more people that can come and just dedicate time to walking with them. Um, A little quick story is one of our um, leaders, new leaders in the last month, uh, took over for another male leader who'd walked with these kids. Uh, they're now in ninth grade, but he'd walked with them for a couple years in middle school. His name's Brandon Cameron. He, he went to church here for a while and now is in Red, Renton, leading, starting Young Life there, actually, in a, in, uh, a couple of schools. And um, so this other uh, leader took over his group and, and kind of put a word out that he was going to start a small group. And, and uh, they were going to meet at the guy's house on a Wednesday after school. And little did he know, 22 kids would walk through the door, eager and excited and ready. And here's Preston going, um, and sharing the gospel with them and needing a little help, <laughs> a lot of help from God and maybe a few more volunteers to help him, which is great, wonderful news. Um, something I want to note too is that uh, we have uh, a girls group, they're juniors and seniors, and uh, we ha- they've been walked with by a couple of leaders throughout the last few years, and they are noticing, and they're saying it out loud lately, I'm noticing something different in the guys that are juniors and seniors. I'm noticing some different things about them. They've been so much nicer lately, and they've been so much, like, there's just something, there's something, they're, they're changing. They're, and so their kids are noticing a transformation in each other. Um, kids that are being walked with, and um, and they're hanging out more, and there's just a healthier. I feel like as I'm watching, as I'm observing this, and, and immersed in it with them, there's there's some health happening and some new transformations happening. Not to say in any way that young life is perfect. We're perfect. We you know we are sinners. We are um, 
working through stuff ourselves, and I won't put Young Life on a pedestal. I will put God up there and say that he is using Young Life in many ways, um, and we are accountable to him, and he is doing incredible things in the lives of kids and us as well. Uh, we walk away, end up, we end up feeling like we, um, God's doing incredible things in our lives as a result of giving of our time um, we're poured into, probably just as much, if not more. Uh, we care about where kids are at, We care about where they're going in this life, but most importantly, we care about where they are going after this life. Uh, I want to go back to the scripture reading from this morning from Mark 2 um, about Jesus healing the paralyzed man. There's so much to this story. It's it's incredible. One of my favorites. Um, So Jesus is, he's headed back to Capernaum and uh, people are flocking to see him. They've been hearing miracles are happening. He's healing people. There's something that doesn't happen every day going on around here. Um, And it's because of this man, Jesus. And these few friends, four, that the story says, um, they decide to rally around their friend who's been paralyzed. And uh, I don't know, I I would love to know what the conversations were like. Did they knock on each other's door and say, hey, we heard Jesus is back and we we need to come. We need to go see him. He's doing huge things. Let's go get our friend. Let's, he could be healed. Let's take him. And they, and they all arrive at his house. Can you imagine the scenario? They arrive at his house. They, they say, we're going no matter what we're going. And he, does he say, oh, I don't know. I'm kind of nervous. Or is he like, yeah, pick me up, take me. We don't know what all of happened and transpired in that. But no, but either way, these men loved their friend and they demonstrated an incredible action by picking him up, each of them taking a part of his mat to take him to be in front of Jesus. And we don't know how far they went and to travel. They don't know how, we don't know how long it took, but they were dedicated and committed to taking him on this journey. Uh, and who knows how bumpy that ride was. He could have been laying there just bumping along, along, you know, just at the mercy of his friends. But his friends were sold out on the fact that they were going to get to this place and they were going to find Jesus and they, Jesus was going to heal their friend. Uh, so they get to this place that they realize really quickly the whole inside is packed out. The whole outside is super crowded. There's just, just a huge crowd forming. There's no way through them. They're just socked in. And these guys are just going, oh my gosh, we got we to get our friend in front of him, no matter what. So can you imagine? They're probably going, excuse me, excuse me. We need to, we need to get through. Can you see our friends here? He needs to get, he, we want to get him through. We can't, can you guys let us in? Maybe like maybe a little path here and probably being met with no, no, mm-mm, or ignore silence. We've got people too. You know, a lot of people are, are there wanting to get in, wanting to observe, wanting to see um, and, and understand what's going on. These guys, they, they finally realize, okay, there's no, there's no plowing through this crowd. We're, we're, just, we're back here. We're kind of stuck. But no. One of them, a light bulb went off. One of them decided, no, it doesn't stop here. We're going to get you to Jesus. We're going to figure out a way. Well, back then, their housing structures um, were such that a lot of their entertaining, I've read, had went on, uh, on top of roofs. Um, and they had a stairway that led up to the, there. Well, someone decided, hey think outside the box here. Let's get uh, this friend up to the roof. So they all decide, okay, let's go. Come on. So they take him up and they start to take him up the stairs. And of course, carefully, strategically with care um, as a team, as a family, caring about their friend, they get him up and they, they probably were going, okay, now where do we, what do we do <laughs> from here? Um, okay, well, we're going to start digging. Where might he be standing? Let's see. Well, in that time, there were a couple little floor plans that they had. So they thought, okay, well, Jesus is probably over here. And so they started to dig probably with stones or or, uh, sticks, probably with their bare fingers. They could have been bleeding for all we know. But either way, they were on a mission 
to get through that roof, to lower their friend down, to put him in front of Jesus because they believed that he could heal him. Can you imagine sitting in that audience in that house? I mean, like this morning, here we have this wonderful roof, probably a little higher than what they had. Can you imagine all of a sudden hearing this like scratching sound, digging sound right above us, and then seeing some flecks of dust come through, maybe start to see chunks coming down and crashing down to the ground, hitting the chairs, maybe getting dust in your eyes and your hair. People were probably going, what in the world is happening here? I wonder what Jesus is doing. Just probably going, "Mm -hmm, yep, here he comes. Well, they were determined, and the first guy came through the roof, I'm sure, to then help this man to lower down. We don't know exactly how it worked, but it took strategy, and it took risk. It took determination, and they were sold out on making sure this would happen. So here, is, so here it happens. They get down. They get him in front, finally, in front of Jesus. And maybe to their surprise, the first thing Jesus says when he looks at them He looks at the man and says, son, your sins are forgiven. That point, they might have gone, wait a minute, that wasn't really what we were thinking. We were thinking something else along the lines of like healing physically. But he says, your sins are forgiven, which I love because it shows that he cares about our hearts. He cares about our minds. He cares about our souls more than he just cares about our physical being cares about all of us, our whole body, right? He cares about our whole life, but he starts from the inside out. He cares about what's going on um, in our lives. He cares about what our focus is. Is it on him? Clearly, he wants everyone to see where this man could be and be getting more life, more fulfillment, so he forgives him of his sins, and then, only then does he say, your sins are forgiven, Get up, take your mat, and walk. In the meantime, we have some people grumbling in the audience in their minds, and they're they're wrestling with that, and Jesus calls them out on it. Calls them out on it and says, hey, what is harder to do? Tell someone that your sins are forgiven. I'm sorry, easier to do. Tell someone your sins are forgiven or say, get up, take your mat, and walk. By the way, he gets both today. He says all of this to show that he has the authority He has the ability, and he can and will heal and forgive, restore, and help him, help us get up and freely move forward. But only then, after sins are forgiven, can we do that. They say that says the crowd was amazed. Everyone was amazed, praising God. This is an incredible scene. In the meantime, there's this crowd outside, and I think about this crowd, and I think about these guys who are who are out there realizing we have to get around the crowd. It reminds me of us in our day-to-day life. What is the crowd around us? What are maybe the the things blocking us from being in front of Jesus, from fully seeing the life that he has for us, for fully understanding the love, the forgiveness, the healing that he wants to do in each one of us? Are we willing to take the risk to come outside and away from the crowd? The risk to go and do something that's messy, and difficult and scary to be able to get ourselves in front of Jesus. We are the paralyzed man. Yeah, we have physical ailments. All of us do. He cares about that too. And we have emotional, spiritual ailments that he wants to cleanse and heal so that we can move forward. We are also the friend. 
He has created us not to do this life alone. He's created us to come alongside of our friends and bring them to, through the roof to him. And it gets messy. And relationship is not easy. And going that extra mile is tiring. And it can be scary. But to be in the safest place, which is in the arms of Jesus, we have to risk it all to be able to get there. And are we as a community, are we as a body, are we understanding, are we understanding that gift is huge and it's abundant and it takes a risk and it takes work and it takes coming around each other and being that friend, but also realizing that we're paralyzed too. We're all in this together. Uh, I want to share really quick too that... um, Excuse me. Who is the Lord calling you to carry? Who is the Lord calling me to carry? And are we willing to be carried? Um, it all comes back to Jesus. It all comes back to being in front of him in the safest place, taking the biggest risks. Uh, I got the amazing privilege of being able to go to a camp called Malibu in Canada this past summer. Many of you may have been there, and if you haven't been there before, please take any opportunity you can to get there. It's incredible. Uh, I met with a mom a couple weeks before this camp, and she, their family had really been through the ringer. They're trying to find places where um, they can be around community who um, kind of understands and wants to share life, this life that we're talking about here. And they have felt um, really disenchanted with the church, with people that say they're Christians. And she wanted to know about Young Life, but she really was eager to know, why is it any different, and is it? I'm super skeptical. I want to know, though. Tell me about it. Why is Young Life different? How is it different? And after over an hour of talking with her uh, about um, the fact that it's not perfect in any way, um, and we never will be until Jesus comes back, um, after that time, she wrote a check for her daughter to go to Malibu. So I got to spend some time with her daughter for... Uh, a couple times before we went to camp. And as every camper, you see, you see as we get off of the, the boat to go to camp, as you see them, that she was part of this group that just was in awe of this whole camp experience from the minute we got off the boat until we uh, got back on it, um, the adventures, the fun, the excitement. Um, but more importantly, to be able to see what goes on in kids as they're experiencing camp, it's a pretty incredible, holy place Uh, to be, because we get to see them go from excitement to starting to ponder what they're hearing and the messages. Um, Just like when I was in sixth grade, and I felt like, boom, light bulb, something went off. Um, You see them wrestling. You see them in tears. You see them angry. You see them numb and quiet uh, throughout the week as they listen and process. And the whole prayer is that they are wrestling, listening, processing, and understanding what it means what it means that Jesus died on the cross for them and rose again, for them to have eternal life. Uh, so this week was incredible. This dear friend, now dear friend of mine, um, she came one day and said, can we sit and talk? And I, uh, we got to spend the next couple hours her just realizing, I get it. The light bulb went off for her. She, the floodgates opened, and she realized 
so much that she'd never realized before. And it, was, it moved her to a place where she just, it was uncontrollable um, emotion. And it was so exciting. And I want to say, too, we've been focusing on the Safe and Holy um, series. And I think about this moment and these moments, many with kids, as a really extremely holy experience to be able to witness God doing something in their lives. Um, it's just beyond words. Uh, we go home, and she is just excited. She has made this commitment that she wants to follow Jesus, and she's received it. She's following, and um, I was sitting next to another Young Life leader on the bus. It's about 10 at night, and we're just wanting to get home, and she says, hey, can, you, can I sit with her again so we can talk? So the next couple hours, we talked even more. We cried even more, prayed even more. We get home. The parents pick up their kids at midnight, and um, we all say our goodbyes. It's, all, it's amazing. After camp, you just hear this little family. We say our little goodbyes, and then the next morning... I get up to find uh, this email from her mom. And it says, Hi, you know what I'm going to say, but I feel compelled to say it anyway. Gets me every time. She gets it. It's 3 a.m., and I know right down to my bones that my child is saved and loved in a way she has never known or felt before. Profoundly grateful. This is just the beginning for this friend who has become a student leader this year and is eager for her friends and others to know who Jesus is. This is just the beginning for us. This was just the beginning for the paralyzed man. It doesn't stop here. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.